welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Mighty heroes! The Lord is with you. I am so excited about talking to other ministers. You know, when you do that preacher thing where you're like, hey, what are you preaching on? What are you preaching on? You know, what's your, what's your revelation from the Lord? And then it, you know, gets around the table and then they're me. What are you preaching on? Heroes? Yep. Everybody kind of gets a little wide-eyed. Like, that's right, we're raising heroes at Beloved Church, teaching the whole church how to be heroes. I'm teaching myself how to be a hero. Jesus is teaching us how to be a hero. We're going to be heroes. The, the great thing is this is such a congruent message with with the mission and the vision of our church of embracing the finished work of Christ. Part of us embracing that 2,000-year-old message, part of the legitimate gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is it's already finished. On the inside of you is a full-grown supernatural hero. His name is Jesus Christ. We just need to learn how to release those hero qualities that he's already given us, and he desires for you to do it more than you do. Because he knows something that I honestly believe very few of us know, which is this world is desperately short of authentic heroes. And because of it, tyrants have obtained great power and have inflicted their terror and their fear on the masses and have created a cowering, limp-wristed, yellow-bellied, spaghetti-spined group of people, some of which even call themselves Christ-ins. And that could not be more oxymoronic. If you have Christ in you and you live by fear, one of these two is not real. Mighty heroes, the Lord is with you. Colossians 1.27 in the CEV is teaching us how to live in truth, justice, and the kingdom way. God did this, put Christ on the inside of you, solved this incredible mystery that was literally 4,000 years old by the time Paul released it. Because he wanted you, beloved church, who are also Gentiles, except for a couple of you. (laughs) But we're trying to Gentilize those people too. Because he wanted you, beloved church, the beloved of God, the ones that are greatly loved of God, he wanted you to understand. The word understand is to stand under. uh, I'm not going to get off track. I'm not going to get off track in Jesus' name. 
But I don't know if you know this, but sometimes when people are saying, do you understand? They are literally trying to put you in their power. Do you understand? Do you stand under me? Uh, I don't know if I want to go here. Uh, whatever, the YouTube channel's already. Hey, by the way, subscribe to Rumble because at any moment I could nuke our YouTube channel. It's more like this close. <laughs> uh, law enforcement, it is a legal term in law enforcement to ask someone, do you stand under me? Do you submit to my authority in this matter? The reason they have to ask is because they don't just have authority in that place. You have to give it. If they get you on tape or if they can say that you said, I understand, legally what that meant was you submitted to their authority. Now, in many instances, that's fine. But in some instances, not so fine. You do not want the enemy to come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to kill you with my fear and my terror. Do you understand? I understand. I stand under you. This verse says that we need to stand under this wonderful explanation, this revealing of a glorious mystery that has been 2,000, at this point, had been 4,000 years in the making. Nobody understood this. This was brand new for the Holy Spirit to release into Paul. And he spent the rest of his life ministering this mystery. Christ in you. Christ in you. Not he's going to be in you. Not one day in the sweet by and by. Not we're going to cross over some magical ethereal realm and then Christ is going to zoop. You are as filled with Christ right now, as you will ever be. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I don't feel like it. Ta-da! Now we know why we're not operating in more power, more victory, more joy, more peace. Because you don't feel like it. Which means, of these two truths, which is Christ is in you, the same Christ that created the universe, parted the Red Sea, beat the devil, that same Christ is in you as true as whatever you feel is in you or on you. And most of the time, we choose the feel over the Lord. So therefore, you give lordship to the feels. This mystery is Christ lives in you. You know, he's enjoying his time in you, whether you're enjoying it or not. He's living. He's not going to lower his standard of life just because you don't want to go with him. If, if, if you're going to walk with me and I'm going to go skipping down the sidewalk and I'm going to enjoy my time out on the sidewalk and you don't want to do it because you don't want to look stupid next to Pastor Steve, that's fine. I'm going to enjoy my skip. Jesus is going to enjoy his life living on the inside of you, whether you're going to ever enjoy it or not. I just encourage you, skip with him. Don't you, don't you know that would make the devil freak out? I did all these things to this person. They're skipping down a sidewalk. Yeah, that's right. You, I'm not going to say it. The mystery is that Christ lives in you, and he is your hope. Didn't we just talk about that? 
Our hope is in you. Not in what you're going to do. Not even in what you did. Do not boil your Christianity down to experiences. Don't ever make experiences your masters. Don't ever make experiences your doctrine or your theology. If your experiences line up with doctrine and theology, God bless you. If they don't, who gives a rip? Change your experiences. You are in control of what you experience and what you don't. Don't you know Jesus wasn't walking down the street one day and saying, wham, man, I didn't expect that. What a terrible thing that just happened to us. Huh, disciples? Uh, yeah, Lord. 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 Lord means Lord. He's the king of kings. Anybody know who the kings are? Yeah. There was like five hands. I don't feel like a king. You know, a four-year-old prince may or may not ever feel like a prince. He's still prince. When dad dies, he's king. He's king, whether he's four years old or not. You are a king to the king, whether you feel like it or not. He's king of kings, lord of lords. You are lord. What do you lord? Your circumstances, things that go on around you. What is he, Lord? Everything. Oh, boy. We're already knee-deep, aren't we? All right. <laughs> uh, and my favorite is Psalm chapter 16, verse 3, which is the godly people in the land. Do we have any of those? Uh, anybody else? Going for a second. Third, think about it. We'll come back to you at the end. The godly people in the land are God's heroes. Man, be God's hero. Whether anybody ever recognizes it, whether your kids ever notice it, your spouse ever notices it, whether your boss ever notices it, at least be a hero to God. And his requirements are you being godly, godly, godlike. And he's already assessed us with everything that we'll ever need. The assets of that truth have been deposited, past tense, on the inside of every one of you. Your God has already made you internally godly. Now it's time to reflect what's on the inside. Be like the moon, reflect the sun. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. Notice true heroes. Because the world's got a bunch of heroes. Sports stars, Hollywood, rich people, social media influencers. And nearly all of them are some of the most broken, destitute of character, lacking virtue of all people that have ever lived on this earth. I don't care that you have a million followers. Does Jesus follow you? <laughs> Your TikTok numbers don't impress me as much as God's opinion of who you are. I take pleasure. It actually blesses your father's heart 
to know that you are the one created to be a hero for him. <sighs> Praise God. I got to move on. This intro is getting long. The most accepted and pervasive sin in the Americanized Christian today is a four-letter F word. Anybody? Here. We need to stop that sin. It is, it is still deeply rooted even in people sitting in here. And I'm not picking on nobody. I'm not even looking at nobody. I'll look at YouTube because they're going to kill me anyway. This, this doesn't come out because you sat in a cool message and you're like, all right, that's it. I'm dealing with fear. No, you can start there. But I don't think we realize how deeply seated some of these things are. A version of fear, insecurity. A version of fear, the fear of man, a people pleaser. A version of fear, a person who cannot be humble. <laughs> a version of fear, someone who cannot submit because they're fearful of what might happen. A version of fear, someone who will not go and do uh, brave and courageous things. They're going to stay in their little box of safety. Be safe. Take care. Fear. Well, I would like to have this kind of life, but fear. <laughs> Notice how quiet it got in here. I, I'm not saying I, I own all this stuff. I'm just telling you that every single day since I've been preaching this, I have noticed more and more and more and more and more and more people how much fear is such a real legitimate part of our lives. And that is not okay. It is not okay to stand here and worship and say, you know, you are our God. You are our Lord. And then make decisions in our life based on fear or money or people's opinions. Amen. So I, I am very, very purposeful about dealing with this, particularly in my own life, and then and those few radical people that let me get intimate into their lives and their hearts, this is something that, that is, has come up a lot. Probably because I'm dealing with it, but I honestly think it's because the Lord is trying to deal with this in a legitimate way in our time because I think that this is uh, the, the chasm that must be crossed for us to fully get into the great awakening that God is trying to lead us into because we cannot be awakened to the glory of God and to the plans of God until we completely sever ties with the spirit, the attitude of fear. We have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Note, a sound mind is the opposite of fear, which means when you're operating in fear, you are of unsound mind. This world will tell you that it's wisdom to do the fear thing. Well, you better not, better not make that decision because what will happen? They call that wisdom. God calls that an unsound mind. That'd be God's version of crazy. And the world says when you operate in faith 
and courage and, board, and boldness. The world calls that crazy. Man, I would rather be crazy for God than sane with the world any day of my life. Courageous people face and defeat personal fear. You start with courageous before you get to hero. Heroes are people who are already courageous. Courageous people face, fight, and defeat personal fears. And then when they start getting good at it, then they do it for other people. That's a hero. A hero is someone who faces, fights, and defeats the fears that are affecting other people. Everyone in here should be a hero, at least to your spouse, to your children. You should be facing, fighting, and defeating fears that are affecting your family, especially in this time. Dear Lord, this world is baptized in reasons to be fearful. Got a virus that's, man, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay on track. The Lord gave this to me, and I'm going to be faithful to it. Heroes are dangerous to culture. This culture today hates what we're doing right now. Raising up godly heroes. Hates it. Just stay there. Stay in the little cage that we put you. Be a little subservient slave. Do what you're told. Comply. Dangerous people irritate that culture. I want you to be the most dangerous people on the planet. I want you everywhere you go for culture to be like, I'm so tired of these people that won't do what I tell them to do, that won't comply, that won't just lay down and let us do whatever we want to do to them. Nope. We are children of God. And royalty operates different than peasants. Peasants comply. Royalty makes compliance. Because you are here, beloved, you are already more brave than anybody out there. Okay, I got two, mm mm-hmm. So the two of you actually believe that. The rest of you think I'm just spouting off. Because you're here, you're already doing something that the world won't. Which means that you're headed in a courageous direction. You're already closer to being a hero than all of the zombies that are out there walking through their very safe life. So I congratulate you. You're already doing more than the world is doing to become a hero. And I believe that what you have started, God is faithful to finish on the inside of you. Heroes fight because they love. And they fight for what they love. The world will fight for their pet dog. They will. They will fight for their dog. They will fight for the position in front of you in traffic. 
fight. In Texas, it was like once a month, there'd be a, a headline of somebody gotten shot on 635 LBJ. Road rage. They will fight for position in traffic. We won't even fight for holiness. There are Christians in today's culture that won't even fight to put their kids in a Christian environment, even on a Sunday. And they'll kill each other on the roadway for traffic. I just had a girl, I was going down, I shouldn't have said, uh, I'm sure she might not, well, she might be watching. <laughs> I was going down Pearl City, had my cruise control on, and maybe or maybe I wasn't doing anything on my phone. Oh boy, I've done, done stepped off in it now, haven't I? Like the first step was like, that's kind of spongy. I'll just keep. <laughs> Thin ice, we'll see. No fear. So, no fear. <laughs> Had my cruise control on, going down Pearl City Blacktop, which is a relatively lonesome road. You know, you don't have to worry a whole lot. And this gal from this little side road pulled out. I had to, like, hit the brakes legit. <laughs> which made me obviously get close to her. She spent five, she rolled her window down, spent five minutes screaming at me and flipping me off all the way into Pearl City, but because I somehow irritated her by driving down the road. And, and first of all, she was a young girl and I'm like, yeah, this is beautiful. You, your parents raised you as a princess. But the second thing I thought was, it was amazing how much energy, how much commitment, how much deep internal passion she had in her anger at me for literally driving down the road. And what I actually thought was, you would not be likely to find a Christian operating in that kind of passion, persuasion for the things of God. When the world does, you know, they, if, if they would have recorded all that and played that on TV, people probably would have said, well, you know, I mean, she was mad about traffic. You know, it is what it is, and that's how our world works. If we record one of you, one of these little ones, Worshiping Jesus, waving their flags, dancing before the Lord. They would say that cult, teaching those kids to do things and stuff to that invisible God who doesn't even exist. What she did would be culturally acceptable. In fact, she would probably even get a little way to go. You know, that, that white man with his white privilege you should have cut him off. Right? He's, he's a jerk. He grew up probably rich and silver spooned. Right, Mom? Gave me everything I ever wanted. The, the culture is totally okay with that. But you doing this in here, even with a little bit of passion, I would just tell you, the world already makes fun of you. Just go all in. Just be full on passionate. Go for it. Be like, 
Be like that girl in that car in front of me, except pretend like it's actually the devil behind you instead of the preacher. <laughs> Do him that way. Heroes fight because they love, and they fight for what they love. You can tell how much someone loves something based upon how much they'll fight for it. You can test me. You can test me. Come try to hurt something I love. It wouldn't be a good test for you. I don't fight fair. There's a specific thing in our society that's called the great equalizer. I believe in the Second Amendment. I've learned how to fight. I've, I've street-fighted. Street. No, that's fine. You guys come finish this. I'm done. I've street fought. I've done jujitsu. I've boxed. And after all of that, I'll tell you this, I bite. I scratch. I will poke eyes. But I'll fight for what I love. If you're going to try to get something I love, it's going to be over my dead body and likely yours. I will fight for what I love. Man, wait until they cut that section out and put it on Facebook with all my hate groups. You should fight that determinedly for what you love. We should love the children of this society and fight that hard for them. We should love our spouses. We should love our God. When they shut down the church, there should have been an uprising. There should have been millions in the streets say, you can shut down the Walmart. We're keeping the church. But the other, it went the other way. If you shut down the Walmart, we will like go to war. It'll be a civil war you shut down my Walmart. Shut down the church? Okay. Shut down the school? Okay. Shut down life? Okay. Can I have Amazon at least? Yep, we can give you Amazon. Okay. Can I have video games? How about free Netflix? Oh, we're good to go. You can keep us in a pandemic. Amen. The more you love something, the more you're going to be willing to fight for it. Just like I can, I can take, I can follow you around with a clipboard and I can take annotations on the way that you spend your time, the way you spend your money, and the way you spend your affection, and I can tell you what you actually love. I can also tell you how much you love those things based upon how determined you are. You know how many people have quit this church because I've talked to them about those priorities? How dare that preacher talk to me about my money? I'm out of here. But their boss can talk to them about money. The TV can talk to them about their money. But as soon as a preacher tries to bring in God's perspective on their money, Homer Simpson can tell you how to be a husband, but if Steve tells you how to be a husband, Mickey Mouse can teach people how to be a man, but if a preacher dares, are, are you following me? And I, and I know I'm trying to make that, but this happens. This is happening. And we pretend like, just because you pretend like it ain't happening doesn't mean it ain't happening. It is legitimately happening. They have furries in school now which is children who believe they're animals. 
and the school districts and administrators are encouraging it. It's happening. It is happening. You can ignore it. You can shake your head at it. You can fluff it off. But when they're changing society that blatantly, you think they're going to avoid you? Just like Mordecai told Esther, there will be a salvation that comes from God. Now, whether you and your family survive it is going to determine whether you're actually going to engage. But God will bring salvation to his people. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to be either a fighter on the side of righteousness or you are going to go all in for Satan and be a fighter on the side of wokeness or you're going to be somewhere in the, in the middle and you're going to be cannon fodder. These people are dying by the masses. So if you're going to die based upon what society is doing right now, I just encourage you to die for the Lord. You'll be a martyr. And there's like a party in heaven for martyrs. I don't know if you've ever read the end of the book, but like when the martyrs come out, like all of heaven's like, ah, oh, it's the martyrs, the martyrs. They didn't, nobody ever said, oh, it was the wimps, wimps that just got dead because they weren't paying attention and got ran over by Satan. No, if, if I'm going down, <laughs> I'm going down fighting. You should fight for your kids. You should fight for your society. You should fight for your church. You should fight for your country. You should fight for your God. Heroes do the right thing, <laughs> which is nearly always the hard thing. If you don't know that yet, Surprise! When you're faced with a decision, nearly every time the hard thing is the right thing. So you know what people do? Not the right thing. Now here's the cool part of what I just said, because that by itself, not super cool. Doing the hard thing. Nobody ever woke up in the morning and said, all right! feel like doing the hard thing all day today. Nope. Feel like going back to bed, right? Hit snooze. Maybe I can call in. You, that's the major temptation. You don't wake up with the temptation to do the hard right thing. You wake up with the temptation to do the wrong easy thing. Lazy, easy. When you do the hard thing, you get the benefit from God, of doing the right thing. When you do the easy, lazy thing, you'll get the benefit from the master of that world. And whichever one you do more of, you'll become more comfortable doing. If you get comfortable doing the, the snooze and I don't like my life and whatever thing over here, it gets... Easier to do that and easier to do that and easier to do that. But if you do the hard right thing, there's this amazing supernatural thing that takes place, which is where the hard thing isn't as hard as it used to be. You're not so offended by the hard thing like you once were. 
do the hard thing. No way, not me. Now you're like, that's ah, just the hard thing. I've done the hard thing a lot. At some point, there actually gets a place where the hard thing actually isn't even hard anymore. It's just right. When you cross that precipice, then you don't actually look at it based upon the hard or the easy thing. You look at it based upon the right or the wrong thing. That's the, that's the line where your, everything in your life changes. Most people look at things based upon easy and hard. Comfortable, uncomfortable. The, the, the main direction, the main desire of humanity is comfort. That's what they're shooting for. That is the goal, comfort. <laughs> is the exact opposite of Jesus saying, take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> He's literally saying, don't make comfort the goal. Here's what I'll do. You don't make comfort the goal, I'll send you the comforter. One of the reasons that people don't have a better relationship with the comforter, who's the Holy Spirit, is because they've never gotten themselves into uncomfortable places, so he has nothing to comfort. Yeah, you can catch up on that one later. When you cross that precipice between looking at things, looking at choices in your life between easy and hard, and it actually becomes right and wrong, the decisions are so easy. So easy. Because it doesn't matter if it's easy or hard. It's right. It's right. Heroes do the right thing. Heroes are humble and genuine. I'm going to make this a whole message at some point. But heroes are not hypocrites. And hypocrites are not heroes. There is a person in scriptures that's mentioned in all four of the Gospels and in the book of Acts that you may or may not have ever heard a message on until today. That person is Mary Magdalene. She's actually one of my heroes. I know you're going to be like, whoa, 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 you're a guy, she's a gal. And I'm going to say, whoa, 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 Christ on the inside of you is neither male nor female. And for the gals in this room to think that this whole series is missing you because you're a gal, you've missed it. Christ is not trying to raise guy heroes. Christ is raising heroes. Society is on purpose emasculating men, on purpose, and some of you even know it. And it's on purpose defeminizing women. On purpose. Because if a real woman filled with Christ actually was a godly woman, she would be a hero. And a real man filled with the spirit of Christ, he would be a hero. Society knows that both of those are dangerous. And so as adamant as society is about emasculating men, it is it is as passionate about defeminizing women. And for the gals in this room, if you don't know this, if this is brand new information, it's probably already happened to you. And so you're going to have to work it back. 
You probably have heard about Elizabeth and Zacharias. Elizabeth and Zacharias, the parents of John the Baptist. They are mentioned less than Mary Magdalene. How about Lazarus? You guys know that name? Lazarus. Lazarus is mentioned less than Mary Magdalene. Here's one. Does anybody know who Jesus' stepdad was? Oh, you guys better answer faster <laughs> and louder. I'll be giving you reading assignments. Joseph. Joseph was Jesus' stepfather, is mentioned less than Mary Magdalene. The virgin birth is mentioned less in Scripture than Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is a big deal in the Scriptures. And one of the reasons that she's probably not been made a big deal in many churches today is because we have denominations sold out to the reality that women really aren't supposed to be that important. Amen? Some of you have come from those denominations. I'm not going to name them because I'm not going to on purpose try to nuke our YouTube. But there are denominations major, some of the largest denominations in the world today have it as bylaws that women can only go so far. One of the greatest harms that has happened in society was the church not agreeing with God's valuation of women. And I can tell you this um, because I know tons of quote-unquote Christian men, husbands, and the way that I know that they treat their women, men do not value women the way God values women. So obviously it's not that hard for denominations to come along and not value women because the guys have already been told not to. Yeah, you guys are loving this. I can, I can feel it. It's like flowers hitting me in the face. Preach. Awesome. The world's cure for this actually ended up being more deadly than the disease. The disease was the defeminization of women, the devaluation of women. That was the disease. The cure, feminism. Feminism was the world's cure. And it was more deadly than the disease. When women were not valued and not appreciated the way they could or should have been pre-feminism, they were still better. And this is going to be really obtrusive to a bunch of people because feminism have soaked into our society to the degree where we actually think that feminism is a positive thing. I'll just tell you this. Most of the things with ism on the end of it, not good. Go through, search your personal vocabulary and anything that's got an ism on it probably is not Jesus. Feminism came along and said, hey, woman, you are worthless as a housewife. A homemaker. Think about that term. 
Gals used to be home makers. What do we have now post-feminism? Destroyed homes. Are you only a housewife? I've heard many people say this to Kay. Many. And it's everything I can do to not be unchristian. You have no idea what it takes for her to do her part of my life and our kids. You know how many times I would have killed our kids? <laughs> Gunner's nodding. He knows. Okay, stood in the gap. Our home was built by Kay. I paid for a house, Kay made a home. Our family is specifically knit together because Kay did those parts. God created the entire universe. And at the end of creating every single thing, he put his crown jewel at the very end of it, which was mankind. And at the end of that, it said that everything that God had made was good. Good is a God word. So when you say like chocolate is good or just keep in mind that that is supposed to be a God word. After God said everything was good, he said, it is not good that man is alone. Now, is it all good or not? So God's solution to not good was her. The first problem in the universe was solved by a woman. Oh, girl, no, 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 no. I set it up. I was like, that was like the perf, and you guys just like, ah. And then Chris, of all people, clapped. It's because I know his wife. <laughs> Feminism is worse than male chauvinism. Because feminism is given a righteous connotation. Are you a feminist? Yes. Well, way to go. You just fight against the man there, sister. Are you a male chauvinist? Yep. You terrible, disgusting, filthy, rotten. Are you following me? They're both terrible. A feminist and a male chauvinist are both terrible. They are both ungodly. They are both sinful. They are both wicked. But one of them is called good. That's why it's actually worse. A woman being conformed to society's ungodly opinion is equally as bad as, a, as an emasculated man. <clears throat> I'll give you one word on this, and I'm, I'm short on time already, so I'm not going to go as deep into this as I could. I'll chalk this up to that one sermon one day that I'll preach. Shoot the dog, quit the job. I don't like... Uh, what's it called? Yeah, club ball. I don't like club ball. And we'll put this one on. This will be comma, 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 comma. The fourth part of this message that I may or may not ever preach is yoga pants.
I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like very tenuous at the same moment of being like courageous. I'm like, I don't know. I'm right in the middle right here. So just let me say this. First of all, yoga is a satanic exercise to conjure up the spirits of Kundalari, where you put yourself in the position of serpents and animals on purpose to get those spirits to invade your body. That's why you have to be really purposeful in yoga for specific breathing techniques, specific noises, specific environmental things. You're literally conjuring up spirits in yoga. Well, I don't wear yoga pants. I wear stretchy pants. Okay, well, change the name of it. That makes it better. And then on, on top of it, there was a time in society. I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to move on. And I don't even know if anybody in here wears yoga pants. So if you think I'm talking about you, that's on you. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I don't pay attention. I'm, I got out of the business at looking at girls' bodies a long, long time ago because there ain't nothing good that comes out of that except my wife, and so that's just where I'm going to have my focus. There was a time when women were encouraged and understood the value of modesty. There was a time. And then it went to a time when modesty was accepted, but it was also a personal preference. And now we are in a time where modesty is mocked. Modesty is mocked. And is it, isn't it interesting how at the same time that this transition away from modesty into voyeurism, and I know that a bunch of gals are going to choke on that. So I'll, you just, it's not you, it's, they're those gals. It's interesting to me at that same time, we've gotten into incredible amounts of sexual dysfunction in men. Also, 50 per, over 50% of every child born in America today is born to a fatherless home. And the majority of society that is fighting for abortion, the murdering of children, are the actual mothers of the children. There's not a ton of guys out there marching for abortion. <laughs> it's the gals. And I'm not picking on the gals, I'm saying guys cause the problem. I'm, I'm, I'm in it, like almost every problem on the planet is male instituted. I get it. God even recognized that. Like, oh, what's the problem now? The man's alone. <laughs> we just got done with creation, and there's a problem? Yeah, it's the guy. Give him a girl. I'll get off yoga pants, but I'll just tell you this. Modesty is of great value to God. This is why the world wants you to undress. <laughs> and especially for these little girls. In a world that's this sick and that broken, 
for these little girls to be sent out there like little chunks of meat to ravening wolves. <laughs> I, I, it, when I see a little girl that's dressed inappropriately, I don't think about that girl. I think of, about how irritated, how angry I am at their parents of putting their daughter out there on display. It is gross, gross. All right, I gotta move on. You guys ain't liking this. Uh, Luke chapter eight, we'll do Bible stuff and then you'll be like, yeah, that's way better. Shut up with all the girl stuff. Luke chapter eight, verse one, everything I'm gonna do is gonna be in the BSB today. Verse one, soon afterward, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another. Town and village, I want, you to, I want you to follow the language here. It wasn't like he went to a place and then he went to a place. He went from a town and a village, this would be like, went from Freeport to Lena to Pearl City and then another town and place. So what we're saying is this, was, this is alluding to a lot of travel. The Lord was a worker, y'all. I don't know what people think about Jesus, like he slept in every day and hung out on the boat on a pillow, chilling out, and the disciples were like little ducklings following around doing all the work. The Lord was a worker. The Lord was incredibly diligent. He was very disciplined with his time and his energy and his efforts. There was times that he had so many things to do for his father, he didn't even sleep. Skipped entire nights of sleep spent some time with the Father, and then went about some incredible stuff. Jesus was very, very diligent. And the reason I say that is because his disciples, to keep up with him, guess what they had to be? You know, we're, it's real easy for us to read the scriptures and pick on the disciples. Oh, look at the stupid disciples. They said the dumb thing. You know what? Probably very few people in this room would have kept up with Jesus and the disciples. Very, very few. Soon afterward, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another word, and I'm, I don't even want to say this, because I'll, no, I won't, I won't prophesy it. But the last end of Luke chapter 7 talks about a woman who went into the house of Simon, a Pharisee, and did this incredible, man, if I even start, read the end of Luke chapter 7. I can't read it without tearing up. I can't. Personally, it's been 25 years. I still can't read it without tearing up. <laughs> now, it does not say that that instance was Mary Magdalene. And they've fought about this for 2,000 years. This is a great doctrinal theological debate that carries on to this day. But I'm telling you that the woman that went into Simon's house that nuked every heresy or every Pharisee and every hypocrite in that room nuked them, didn't even say a word, and she nuked them. Man, I believe Steve Castle's opinion, I'm okay with you saying Steve thinks this, but I believe that's Mary Magdalene because one of the reasons because is Luke chapter 8 starts off with Mary Magdalene. The very end of 7 and the very beginning of 8, and remember when these were written, they were not written with numbers. So this would have flowed a little different. And the 12 were with him. They specifically annotated the 12. So this was the core internal part of the disciples. Verse 2, please, sis. 
as well as some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Man. One of the differences between guys and gals is gals value things that have been done for them more than guys. You can do incredible things for guys, and they'll be off and running after a while. We were just talking about this last night. Bob and Allie had dinner with us, and we were just talking about this last night, that there's been people um, that have come along, and some of you will connect with this, over the last 10 years of us being a church that we have poured and poured and poured and poured and poured into hours and hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months and years and years and years and thousands of dollars. And they can just turn on a dime, flip us the bird, and they're off and running. People don't value, especially men, do not value things that are done for them. If we did, there would be a way different opinion of Jesus. Nobody's ever done more for you, ever, than Jesus. And most people make his name a cuss word. Specifically, these gals were so touched and so grateful for what the Lord did in his life that they weren't even officially allowed to be disciples and made themselves disciples. <laughs> Man, I wish some people would get that. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Jesus specifically ministered to her in such a way that seven demons left this gal. I, I, I can't take time on that, but I, the reason the scriptures annotate that is because it's obviously unique. And this isn't the only time that she's referenced in this way. At the end, in, in John chapter 20, it's says it again that Mary, who had seven demons cast out of her, this was literally part of her identity. I was the woman that had seven demons, and now I'm not. I was once blind, now I see. I was lost, now I'm found. She, this is part of her testimony. I used to be this person, and now I'm not. And it's him that did it. And that's why she was inseparable from his ministry. Man, would to God I could cast seven demons out of about a thousand people. Our church would be, never mind. Next verse, please, sis. Joanna, the wife of Herod's household manager, Chusa. There's a whole thing there that I can't get into. But people that don't believe that people need to be engaged in politics and Christianity at the same time, you need to take this gal off your list. Husband, super rich politician. Her, super crazy, committed to Jesus. Don't you know she went home and told her husband to do some stuff and things? Hey, amen? Any guys in the room? Amen? Gals tell you to do anything? Okay, never mind. I guess it's just at my house. Susanna and many others. These women were ministering to them. Not him. Them. 
people just, man, I wish we read the scriptures more purposefully. If this was the instructions on how to change your oil and make sure that you don't blow up your engine for an $8,000, you know, people would be like, hold on. How many quarts exact? Where do I put it? But when you read the scriptures, it's like, minister to them, da-da-da, move on. First off, the word ministering is diakonos. This is where we get our English word deacon. And there are many denominations that to be a deacon, you got to be a man. And it's amazing how specifically the word for deacon is applied directly to women right here. Hmm. Well, we'll just move on. I'll get nasty emails tomorrow. And, and that's another thing, too. Guys generally uh, don't engage with a whole lot of, of whatever in Christianity, but you start saying that gals have the right to be in places of leadership, you will get lambasted by a bunch of guys. Hey, these women aren't supposed to be. I'm like, you're not even doing anything in leadership. Who you care if I'm going to put a woman in leadership? <laughs> the they were ministering, they were deacons, diakonos, to them. Now, a lot of people look at the scripture and say these women were serving Jesus, and they were. But they were serving them. Who's them? The team. They were ministering to the team. Peter was being ministered to by Mary Magdalene. In other words, in the church of Jesus, he had his core leadership team, the 12, and then he had a secondary team of people that their job was to support him and the 12. Now that's at the church of Jesus. Obviously we don't do that anymore because we got the Americanized church and we got to make everything Americanized. But in the church of Jesus, if you actually care about how it really should be, in the church of Jesus, this is how it worked. They, they had layers of people that did different things and they didn't even fight about it. They were so honored to be a part of the ministry of Jesus that they just served and they loved it and it was awesome for them. They didn't have to vie for position. They didn't have to kill someone so they could take their job over. They didn't have to lie about other people and make up things to tear someone down because in, for some reason when you tear someone down, that makes you higher, right? Right? Does it, that, it has to be that way because that's what happens in the world. That's what happens in, in inauthentic Christianity. If I tear someone else down, that makes me higher. They didn't have to do this. They just all fit in their role. They did what they were supposed to do. And tens of thousands of people were ministered to and saved and healed and delivered and demons going out all over the place. And, and everywhere they go, there's crowds and they're ministering to all these people because they didn't do all that garbage. These, these women were incredibly important to what Jesus was doing in his ministry. I think sometimes we think that we, we just put Jesus in this place when we read through the, the Gospels. It's just like he, he was all by himself just floating from spiritual cloud to spiritual cloud doing all these things. No, he had this whole group of people that he was raising up and he was teaching and he was training and they were getting good and then sometimes they'd mess up and then he'd rebuke them. He would, he would correct them. 
like Pastor Bob just said. And they would appreciate him correcting them because they knew that they were going to do bigger things in their life and they needed to be corrected. They didn't get all butthurt. Uh, I shouldn't say. Mark chapter 15, verses 40 and 41. I'm going to put this right in there because the next verse says that they ministered to them out of their own means. Uh, no, I'm sorry, back up. It was the end of that verse. I just didn't read far enough. They meant uh, Luke 8, 3. Luke 8, 3. They ministered to them out of their own means. I can't spend time on her because I'm messing with my time. But what this means is God who's called you to ministry has given you the assets to do that ministry. They gave of themselves. They gave of what they had. They didn't have to go out and get something special and then bring it back and then give it. They had it. That means you have it. You have it now. These weren't even born again spirit filled women. You are. You better amen that or coming down there. You have the assets. Either A, you don't believe you do, or B, you just don't want to give it away. And I got news for you. These assets that the Lord intends for you to give away, if you keep them, they corrupt. They corrupt you. They corrupt you. It's just like manna. When it came down and they ate it that day, Awesome. Angel's food is what it was called. If you tried to keep it for tomorrow, it turned into worms and rotted. If God gives you something that you are supposed to be using and giving away and putting into action and you try to hang on to it and save it for that, worms, rot, garbage. This is why some, of, some people have that thing on the inside of them like, Ugh, I should be, yeah, you should. And there was also women watching. This is Mark 15, 40. Now we can go, Hopi. Mark 15, 40 and 41. And there were also women watching from a distance. This is at the cross. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. These women had followed Jesus and ministered to him while he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up to Jerusalem with him. While he was hanging on the cross, two of the writers of the Gospels specifically annotated that these gals were there. And I'll tell you this, there was only one guy, John. And he might have been drugged there, who knows. Gals are incredibly important to the ministry. Gals were the only ones that had the staying power all the way to the end with Jesus. Think about that. Guys that he specifically said, you're going to be martyrs. We'll die for you, Lord. We'll do anything for you. And then they come to arrest him. Gone. What about the gals? We're with you, Lord. <laughs> this is something that I, that I noticed is um, starting to change in our society. When I went to all those school board meetings all over, I think I went to 20... Two, I think, is my current count of school board meetings where I went and made lots of new friends with school board administrators. 
We'll go with that. I'm going to start calling things that be not as though they are. Amen. That's right. And uh, when I went into these meetings, it, it bothered me that it would be 90% women. And I know that, that you're thinking, well, you know, I mean, there are meetings during the day. No, these, all these meetings on purpose were at night, which means that the fathers of these children, specifically some of these meetings were for me to go to tell these <clears throat> school boards that it was not okay for these guys to go into girls' locker rooms. And the mothers, the mama bears, were there in force. Guys, which means that the fathers were okay with boys going into their locker rooms. I can tell you, <clears throat> when I was a 16-year-old boy, think about that. <laughs> you think about how uncouth I am now. Imagine me as a 16-year-old boy. If you would have told me that I could pretend to be a woman and go into girls' locker rooms and bathrooms as a 16-year-old boy, you don't think that wouldn't have been something on my to-do list? And you think I'm the only guy that knows that? Those fathers that didn't show up to those school board meetings. <clears throat> if you'll notice in this, just in these few verses, I want to give you some of the virtues that Mary Magdalene showed. One of them was that she was diligent disciplined. A woman of God is diligent and disciplined. Thank God. Kay's been diligent and disciplined about being my wife. Thank God. Because she had every right at one stage in our lives together to leave me and would have been justified by every Christian friend gal she had. They would have said, that's right, girl. You just go on. That terrible husband of yours. And she was diligent and disciplined in her love for me and her love for Jesus. Mary Magdalene was diligent and disciplined. Women of God are diligent and disciplined. And those are two words that gives nobody warm fuzzies. Another thing she was was committed. You couldn't drive Mary Magdalene off with a stick. Jesus rescued her from seven demons. You ain't getting rid of me. I don't care if they come arrest every disciple. I don't care if they're coming to kill Jesus. I'm going to the cross with him. Committed. A woman of God is committed. First Corinthians, I believe, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says that it is incumbent for a steward for God to first be faithful. Faithful. You know what you don't find in today's society? Faithful people. They come, they go. They come, they go. Got married, got divorced. I'm on my seventh one. What do, you, what do you do when you're standing at the altar on your seventh marriage and the spouse says, I will never leave you. And for better or for worse, richer and poorer, sickness and in health, 
I'm committed to you for the rest of my life. What Do you actually like say, yep, this is the one. Uh, okay, stop laughing. Uh, not trying to be funny. I am kind of being a little funny. But here's the thing. You, you know why people don't take people for their word anymore? I've actually said this before. I've had people sitting in front of me where I've done marriage counseling. And I said, because they said, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. And I said, oh, it sounds like it's pretty bad, huh? They're like, yeah, it's bad. I'm like, is it worse? Yeah, it's worse. I'm like, didn't you vow in worse? Well, I, I mean, I didn't mean it. I've had people tell me that in my office, Christians, married Christians. And I know you guys are, ooh, but have you committed? Have you committed to be a partner with a ministry and then that ministry didn't do something you liked? Take that. I'll just pull my money, jerk. I don't like what you're preaching anymore. I'll show you. Okay. You showed me. You showed me you're unfaithful. Amen. Faithfulness was something Mary Magdalene was. She didn't try to work it up. She was faithful and committed. She was secure. She was secure. You know, insecurity is probably one of the greatest sicknesses that inflict the society right now. People are so insecure that you get anywhere near them, if you touch them anywhere, it's like their entire body is an open wound. You just touch them anywhere, they're like, ah, that hurt. It's like these little kids that run around. Like, you tap them on the, on the butt or something, they're like, ah, I'm like, oh my God. I would have prayed for something like that when I was a kid. My parents used to take a belt like 50 feet long. Whoosh. Right, Ma? Knock you off your feet. Hit you with a stick. When I mean, you can tell, right? You look at her and she's like, yeah. She was secure. I'll guarantee they tried to run her off. I'll guarantee they tried to run her off. In that society, even more so than this society, gals were not valued. You think that the, that the Pharisees, the, the priests, the leaders of the synagogues came and said, hey, you women, you ain't got no right to be around this rabbi. Get gone. You know what Mary, Mary Magdalene says? I'm staying. The Lord hasn't told me to get gone, and he cast seven demons out of me. I'm staying. Secure. Secure. Gals, godly women who are heroes are secure. Notice I didn't say rebellious. Notice I didn't say self-centered. Secure. Godly women who are heroes are authentic. Mary Magdalene was the only Mary Magdalene. She didn't hide her problems. She didn't hide her issues. She didn't hide her past. We know her as Mary Magdalene, the one whom had seven demons come out of her. Many people today, especially uh, in Christianity, 
We're not going to be okay with people knowing that we've got issues and things have happened in our lives and that we're going to actually come to people. You know, James says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. You know why many people in Christianity are not healed? Because they won't confess and pray. You know why? Because most churches don't have people that you can confess to that would pray for you. Most churches have people that if you confess to them, they're going to go tail bear and backbite and gossip. Ooh, you know what so-and-so told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we should pray for her. Pray for her husband. That, that is something that we have been passionate about in this culture. Passionate about. And if you're not there, you better get there. Because I want a church. I want to be a part of a church where anybody in this room can walk up to any other buddy in this room and say, you know what I'm struggling with? I'm struggling with this right here. And that person say, man, I cannot wait to pray for you and help you walk this through. In fact, I'm calling in sick tomorrow at work so we can spend the day together and we can work through these things in your life. And I'm not telling a soul. Man, I want to be a part of that church. Authentic. Authentic. God hates fake. He hates it. That's why in the end, wood, hay, stubble gets burned up. But gold, silver, and precious stones, when the fire is put to them, they just get more pure. Be gold, and the more fire that's on you, the purer you get. The one thing that Jesus would get angry about more often than any other thing was the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy, the fake that was in people and this is pre-Facebook. Pre-Facebook. Now we literally, you can grow your Facebook following by how fake you can be. The faker, the better. At the end of this chapter, verse, not the end, but in verses 19 through 21 of chapter 8, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were unable to reach him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. But he replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and carry it out. <laughs> he had a way different opinion of blood kin than most people today. And he's right. Mary was more his sister. Mary Magdalene was more the sister of Jesus than his own sisters. Peter was more Jesus' brother than his own brother. And he recognized the importance of the difference. If you want to be a sister of the Lord, 
That's on you. You don't get this just because you confessed to Jesus and you got born again. So now you're automatically super amazing, cool sister. You have to on purpose determine to be intimate with him, to move into a place. Otherwise, there could come a time where you're standing outside. Well, I'm a sister of the Lord. You know what he said the difference was? There are people, next verse, please, sis. My, no, that was right, I'm sorry. That was in the BSB, I was in a different version. My, brother, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word and do. Do you want to be close kin with Jesus? Hear and do. Hear everybody. Hear and do, very few. And that's why he said, hey, Mary, mom, he didn't dishonor her. He just made sure she understood where her place was. These are a lot of good verses. And I'm preaching on Mary Magdalene. Should get lots of extra time. Uh. No, don't. Ah. You don't have to pay for it. I have to pay for it. Uh, man. Us raising the heroes that God has, has called us to do. And I get it that this is a calling that's obviously unique to us. I don't know any other preachers that are doing this. I'm not saying there aren't any. I just don't know any. Which means that it's also going to be very, very hard for all of us to embrace that. This is one of the most counterculture things that is going on that I'm aware of in society. Being women and men of God who desire to be heroes in society today, that is not done. In fact, if you want to prove it, go out next week, do a personal survey. Talk to all your coworkers, talk to all the people you run into and find out how many of them are diligently committed to becoming authentic men and or women of God so that they can be a hero in today's time. If you come back with any names that said yes, please get their phone number so I can call them. But I'll almost guarantee you're not gonna find a single one. They are all just surviving. They're trying to keep their head above water, treading water as fast as they possibly can. That's not who we are. We're going to be the ones that pleases our fathers because we are the heroes that he is creating for such a time as this, for this particular society, because it's desperately short. So please rise. Let me bless you. Hero. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. 
Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.